Hello, and welcome to the Brunch with BBB podcast, featuring your hosts, Louise Belize and Katherine Honeycutt of BBB Serving Eastern North Carolina. Welcome to another episode of the Brunch with BBB podcast. My name is Catherine Honeycutt, and I have my lovely co-host with me. Hi, guys. This is Luis. And we are so excited to be back with another episode. And this week, we have Dr. Sandy Stewart. He is the Assistant Commissioner of Agricultural Services for the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. So welcome. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to to visit with you today. Yeah, thank you. Well, first off, for those that may not know, can you tell us a little bit about what you do for the NCDA, kind of what your role is, and then what the organization does at large? Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, so I I do serve as Assistant Commissioner of Agriculture um, with the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, and um, and my my responsibility area is is more the agricultural services part of NCDA, which are uh, includes our marketing division, our our agronomics division that that does soil testing, and we have regional agronomists and that kind of thing. We uh, we we operate twelve research stations in a partnership with NC State University. They operate eight uh, six. We operate twelve and. And so there's plant industry, so we, we get involved in a little bit of a regulatory aspect as it involves plant agriculture in North Carolina. And then uh, the department as a whole is much bigger than just the agricultural services divisions. There, there's also the consumer services side, the consumer protection mm-hmm. side. And that, that's, a, that's a number of divisions that, that, are, um, that mainly have a regulatory function. They, they opt, they, we do food and drug inspections and regulatory act, uh, services to protect consumers there. We have a lot of people see Steve Troxer's name on the gas pumps. That's the standard <laughs> division. So we ensure that when you buy a gallon of gas, you're getting a gallon of gas. Um, yeah. Types of things, inspections of meat and poultry processing plants and 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 those kind of things that uh, that affect all consumers in North Carolina. And so the, the department and the the North Carolina Forest Service is also part of the Department of Agriculture and so okay. so we we do we do like to say and I think it's true that that the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services really touches um, every citizen in North Carolina 24 7 365 days a year uh, not just through the services part that I that I oversee but also the mm-hmm. um, the consumer protection part I love that, yeah. And our service as well with as first responders. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a large department and and um, and we get into a lot of different things in at CDA. Awesome. That's, That's pretty cool. I I'm sure a lot of people don't realize all the different facets that you touch. And you know, it's not just agriculture. A lot of people think, oh, it's just, you know farmers and what they can grow, but it's everything. So that's a really cool perspective. I'm glad you could kind of elaborate on that. And um, I'll also mention for our viewers that we are all working from home right now. And so I have to let you know that Dr. Stewart is in his lovely backyard and we're all watching from Zoom, jealous of all the bird noises that we're hearing. So if you hear some birds, 
that's what it is. We wish we were all in our serene backyards as well. Yeah, I do. I, I live in Moore County. Um, it, my office is in Raleigh, but I live in Moore County near Carthage, North Carolina, and uh, and it, I actually live on a family farm here that I uh, grew up on. And and um, and I like to say that my day job kind of gets in, in the way of my farming efforts. <laughs> but it's a it's a nice place to be, especially on a morning like this. Oh my gosh, yes! With a cup of coffee, you got it going on, Miss Doctor Stewart. Yeah, we just have to set you. the stage for all of our <laughs> listeners that we're having brunch this morning, but we're having brunch in the backyard. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it uh, uh, the the COVID nineteen has its disadvantages, but it has had its advantages. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Definitely get on your deck and still do your job. Yeah, and on that note, Dr. Stewart, you know, I am so excited for this conversation because I get to learn a lot of what the agriculture does in our state. And, you know, I'm a complete city boy, so I'm very excited just <laughs> to sit down, listen to you speak and learn. So I brought some questions uh, for our listeners and also for me to learn. So overall, how has COVID-19 impacted the agriculture industry in North Carolina? and especially the meat processing. What is going on? Yeah, the, the impacts to agriculture have been significant, like they've been significant, I think, to everyone in every industry. But in particular, um, the, you know, we, we deal every day with the food supply, um, whether it's through the production, and, and again, going back to the functions and roles of NCDA through the production and the services side, but also the inspection and the consumer protection things that, and, and we do the kinds of things that protect the food supply and, and keep it safe and, and hopefully keep it abundant. And, and I would say that in a word, the, the overall effect to agriculture has been one of disruption of the markets. Um, the, the food supply is out there, uh, but, but what we have seen, especially when, when restaurants and food service uh, with institutional feeding, like with, with there are a lot of meals that, that people get every day at schools and universities and in workplace cafeterias and as well as restaurants and so before COVID-19 um, somewhere probably by, by most estimates 50 to 60 percent of our meals were were obtained and consumed outside of the home and these are meals that we didn't prepare ourselves right so when when uh, when in in when the uh, in restaurant dining uh, had to come to a stop. Of course, you still had a little bit of a takeout business, um, but the institutional feeding also in, in food supply, when that channel stopped, that those are, that's sort of a separate food distribution channel uh, to get to a consumer than, than what you find in a, in a grocery store. Right. So very, very quickly with COVID-19, we, we needed to put, you know, a lot of our food supply through the grocery stores as well as farmers markets and roadside stands and those kind of things but the um that you know that pipeline is only so big and is only able to pivot so you know only so fast and so it's really disrupted the uh the distribution channels which in turn has disrupted the markets and so uh some of the early reports i think people were probably familiar with was uh was some of the pictures and stories from florida where, where farmers were, were disking in produce um, mm. and, you know, fields of cucumbers and squash and all this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it, 
it wasn't that we had fewer mouths to feed. It's just that those those crops there in Florida were destined for food service industries um, further north in Florida, and and just almost overnight that market dried up. And so that that was a very early window into the disruption in the agricultural markets and the food supply distribution channels is what happened in Florida. And we've seen that we've seen that all uh, you know touch a lot of our food supply. And you mentioned, you mentioned the meat processing, and that's another example um, where, where the, uh, the just, it, again, there's all, you know, that we almost overnight, we had to get most of our meals from a grocery store or farmer's market or you pick or roadside stand rather than a restaurant or, or at school or at, or at our workplace. And so those, um, it, immediately that's a disruption that takes place to the to the distribution channels and then of course there are a lot of other stories uh, that have that we know about now about the instance of COVID-19 uh, in the workforce in all all of the workforce and when that, that hits the meat processing plants because they do work in close quarters um, you know that that has an effect on the supply side of things as well and so uh, so I guess the, most most of your listeners and probably probably you guys recall that we we've we've had these truckload sales of chicken, uh, primarily chicken. House of Redford, Mount Air, Case Farms have been selling chicken out of the back of a tractor trailer. Well, that a lot of that chicken would have been destined for a restaurant because it's packed in forty pound boxes. You don't ever go to a grocery store and buy a forty-pound box of chicken. Right, right. It's the chicken, and so, so you know that was a very, very creative way to, to, to not have that food go to waste and have it get to a consumer in a totally unconventional manner. You know, it, it's you can't. The plants are set up such that you can't really repackage that into a one or two chicken breast package like you pick up at Food Lion or Harris Teeter or somewhere like that. It's still got to be in a forty-pound box, and so, so that I think that's a good example of um, of the disruption of that food channel or that food supply channel, but also a way that the companies and and our marketing people and and the consumer were able to pivot. And and we've we've had well over well over one hundred and fifty of those truckload sales just in North Carolina alone. Wow, you know that's been one of the bright spots is we found a way for with that um, that particular product, in this case, chicken, to find its way to a consumer that we never would have considered in January of this year because there was no need for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we, we would have gone to our local restaurant and gotten the same chicken. You know, that's crazy because when I went to visit my parents during all this stay-at-home order, um, they had boxes of chicken. I'm like, Dad, what is going on? <laughs> he was mm-hmm. like, you guys want some? So, you know, now I'm I'm kind of linking the, the pieces together, but that makes total sense. You guys are pivoting amazingly, right? Especially during all this, um, during all this time. Yeah, the, the, foods, the food systems are not as nimble probably as we would want them to be, but I don't think anybody could have foreseen you know this kind of disruption this quickly, and so you know there are some there are some good examples like the truckload sales of chicken and other commodities that um, that have been you know that that have have provided an outlet. But right. 
also and also provided access to food for for consumers. Right, right, right. Now, how do you expect the pandemic to impact agriculture? You know, in the next coming months, as things reopen and we go back to the new normal. That that is a great question, and um, the the new normal. The new normal probably initially, I, I think the way that I think about it, and I would encourage people to think about it, is that the uh, as it relates to agriculture and the food supply systems, as I mentioned, that that 50 or 60 percent of our meals were obtained in a restaurant or something, what we call the food service industry. Um, that will return as we begin to open up, but it will not return at 100 percent. Mm will not return like we saw it before uh, our NCDA a lot of people don't realize NCDA that we have um, we have some marketing specialists uh, globally and we have an office in China in Beijing actually with some uh, marketing specialists stationed there and and I, I think if we can learn something from China because they dealt with coronavirus uh, you know several months before we did is that a lot of the restaurants have returned to business in China and opened back up, but not all of them. And some, some of those spaces are still empty, but they're beginning now to see some reinvestment into those uh, spaces where restaurants might have gone out of business. And so that probably that's what we'll see in the United States as well, is, is we'll see that food service, part of the food supply chain return in some form or fashion, but it'll take a lot of time. Um, I think um, I think one of the more interesting questions is going to be the 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 longer term effect on on consumer preferences and spending habits. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm anxious to see some of the early research to see if that you know, I think we've all gone to the grocery store and prepared more meals at home than we oh, ever. Yes. <laughs> is that going to be a habit that's going to continue? Um, and and if so. You know, agriculture's got to pivot to that. Right. Uh, this spring, the roadside stands and the UPIC things for strawberries and other and farmers markets have done fairly well because, again, people are eating at home more than they were previously. And and if that's you know one of the big questions I think for agriculture is whether that's a trend that will continue. And um, and it, and it, and if so, I think it'd be great because that. You know that's uh, that 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 places an emphasis on local food, and mm. and and our agriculture here in North Carolina. And I think I think we have a lot of opportunities um, to uh, to to you know to take advantage of people's hopefully preference for for right. more local food. Right now, let's talk a little bit about farmers, doctor. So you know, how have North Carolina farmers fared economically compared to other parts of the country? Mm. Um, North Carolina farmers, um, that's, uh, it, it, well, well, let me put it this way. First off, it, it's a, it's a very challenging time in all of agriculture. Right, right. And so when you, you know, that's one of the baseline things that you have to think about. And then the next part of it is, is North Carolina agriculture is incredibly diverse uh, by, by a lot of standards. A lot of metrics, I guess you'd say that the North Carolina agriculture is the third most agricultural diverse state in the country. Florida being number one and number two. We, we produce a lot of different commodities in North Carolina, agricultural products and, and, and uh, 
you know, it's, so we have a lot of diversity from the coast to the mountains. So typically that gives us a little bit more resiliency, um, but it also makes it difficult to talk about what the average North Carolina farmer is. Because mm -hmm. Not an average North Carolina farmer. If you go to the Midwest, that average farmer is growing corn and soybeans and wheat. And, and that, you know, and you can, you can say that about a lot of their farmers. North Carolina, they may be a produce farmer. They may be, may have beef cattle. They may have a combination of all, maybe growing cotton, all of that kind of thing. And so, so how's this going to affect the North Carolina farmer? I think we'll see some of the same effects in the commodity markets, large commodity markets like corn, soybeans, wheat, cotton. We're going to see the same effects others, other states do, which is basically a global downturn in those commodity prices, and that's going to make it difficult. Um, our sweet potato industry is extremely strong in the, in the state. Yeah. Our exports to Europe have remained strong through the coronavirus thing. And, and again, I think that's because people are globally are, are preparing more food at home. So, you know, that there's some resiliency built into our, into our agricultural economy that way. Um, but it will be difficult on farmers, particularly in the livestock arena as as we as as the livestock markets have been jolted you know by by the disruption um and uh, and certainly with with tobacco we we thought that um we thought that we, we we were optimistic about 2020 because china had signed a, a phase one trade deal with the united states that 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 would have that did specifically mention tobacco and and we thought that that export market would return to what it was a couple of years ago. And, and that's, that's just not materialized due to coronavirus. So, uh, it, so the, the effect, it's still going to be a difficult time for North Carolina farmers moving forward. But, um, but there is some resiliency built in because of the diversity across our state. That's awesome. Listen, I am totally fanboying you and what NCDA does, man. This is so intriguing. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's, it's, it's fun every day. Yeah, I imagine. I have one last question, I promise. Okay. But, you know, what advice would you give to consumers during this time in regards to food supply and supporting local agriculture um, industries? Well, I, I would, what I would tell consumers is, is, first off, your food supply is safe and your food, your food supply is still the most abundant in the world. Yeah. And it's the most affordable in the world and and i would i would ask consumers to take this opportunity to explore some other north carolina products mm -hmm. um, you may not have before and and look at look at where you know look, look at where your food comes from even from a different angle i think we've we've looked we've paid attention to local foods uh because there's a perception we're helping our our local economies maybe it's healthier um, and, and all of those things are absolutely true. COVID-19, we, we also now look at our local food supply, like things made in America as being a more of an issue of, of security and, and national security and resiliency. And so there are a lot more reasons now that we might not have thought about to, um, to put an emphasis on, on a North Carolina grown, caught, made, raised product. So that's a great point. Yeah, that's, that's a great perspective. And I loved what you said about 
um, our food supply being safe and being abundant compared to the rest of the world that, you know, it puts into perspective, maybe there's one type of meat in the store that, that we wanted and maybe it's out, but look how full our shelves are. Other people's don't, people don't have that luxury. So um, great perspective there and trying to be inventive in, in the foods we cook and trying new things and supporting that local economy, um, supporting that U.S. economy. So I love that. We do have some questions um, outside of just the food supply industry. There are some bugs <laughs> coming to us and we've got some questions about these murder hornets and the cicadas that are planning to come to our state. So are you able to touch a little bit on those two things? Just like, what are these murder hornets? <laughs> what are they gonna do? Are they gonna come and you know, ruin our vacations we have planned? Like what's going on there? Uh, just help us out. Yeah, there we. It, it's been incredible the number of calls that the Department of Agriculture has gotten about about hornets. Um, and we, you know, we we this is a, a you know it's it's another function of the Department of Agriculture to monitor and um, and and do all we can to prevent invasive species in North Carolina. And this is invasive species. Its its origin is Asia, and apparently it has. Uh, it has it has made made landfall and 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 established a foothold somewhere in the um, in some places. In the, I believe the Pacific Northwest is where you find them most. What, what I would remind people and tell them is that we do not have murder hornets in North Carolina. <laughs> and when when the news stories broke about about these hornets, uh, there were again we got inundated with a lot of calls, and there are a lot of there are a lot of bugs out there that look alike bugs to the hornets. Um, none of them are as large as these hornets and so they are not in North Carolina. Um, it, we, we, we will do everything we can to keep them out but they're they're almost a continent away right now so they are not a threat to us. Uh, but our, our plant industry division has um, had some information about murder hornets. I would ask people to visit the Department of Agriculture's webpage at www. Uh, ncagr.gov or you can just google North Carolina Department of Agriculture and on our plant industries webpage there's a lot of information good information there about murder hornets and we are we are plugged into a national group of um, in many ways nationally we're plugged in and one of those is the the National Plant Board and the mm -hmm. National Board um, our plant industry people uh, they, they it the plant industry folks in Oregon and Washington are just phone call away from it. So we're monitoring that situation closely like we would any invasive species. But these are, um, you know, these are some big bugs and they have a scary sounding name. So they're going to get <laughs> attention. Um, but, but right now we don't, they're not a threat to North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And what about those cicadas? There was talk that they were supposed to surface in North Carolina sometime this month, maybe. Do you have any updates on that or, or if they are coming, if they're here? Yeah, the cicadas, uh, you know, 2020 won't quit. You know, if it's not, <laughs> it's, uh, it's murder hornets and that and that and cicadas. Cicadas are on a 17 year rhythm. Um, mm -hmm. And they uh, they will emerge every 17 years, and um, and so so that cycle uh, the entomologist tells us that that we're due for an emergence of cicadas. 
my understanding is that primarily if we see any significant emergence in North Carolina, it would mostly be in the western counties of North Carolina. Okay. But these are, you know, it's uh, it this has happened before. Again, it's not mm -hmm. a for concern, and they uh, they make a lot of noise. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> that you know, and and um, it this you know this is this is uh, fortunately this is not an invasive species. This is something that's native to mm -hmm. North. And so this is just part of the environment that we live in. Yeah. Well, thank you for clearing that up for us. So it doesn't completely ruin all of our summer plans. Just might be a little more noisy than usual. <laughs> that's, oh. that's good. That's amazing. All wonderful information we covered from processing meat. We're coming from farmers, from murder hornets. Oh, my God. I bought a new patio furniture. I need to enjoy them before. <laughs> <laughs> so all value, all very vital information. Uh, we thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, doctor, and just, you know, kind of pouring into our consumers and just helping me open up my eyes and learn a little bit more about our state, which I love so much. For all of our listeners, please be sure to follow us on all of our social media platform. If you want, have or need any more information, um, what's the best way that we can find more information, Dr. Stewart? Yeah, the, the department's uh, website is a good source of information. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, if you just do those searches um, for the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, we got a very active social media uh, presence and, and knowing a lot of people get their information that way. So there's every day and even several times a day there's little updates that'll come out and and um and i would encourage people to follow us follow the department of agriculture in that way and and thank you thank you so much for your interest in um in in these topics and these things and i hope your hope your uh listeners feel the same way and find the same interest in what it is because really it's you know when we talk about our food supply and all these other things it's things that we deal with every North Carolinian deals with every single day, at least three times a day. Mm -hmm. normally. And sometimes we just don't think about these. Right. So thank you. You're welcome. Well, guys, you heard it here best. Thank you for joining us with Brunch with BBB. We hope you have a wonderful day. Have a good one.